Whoa. <laughs> I guess we can actually start now then. Uh, you guys are ready. Uh, hello, and welcome to the Currently Unnamed Podcast. My name's Tim, and joining me are Jesse, Hanyu, Famous, and Chloe. Uh, how you guys been doing? Hello. Great. A little kid coughed into my eyeballs, and now I'm sick. <laughs> Sounds painful. He said, hi, I'm nice to meet you, and then he coughed into my eyeballs. <laughs> you have, like, you have, like, pink eye now? Leap out the name, please. Um, no, I don't. I was really <laughs> sick for two weeks. I don't know. You think it's plotted? Yeah, it was set up. <laughs> it was a plot? He saw you. Yeah. And, yeah, he saw you, and he's like, oh, this guy. I'm gonna do this, this, and this to this guy. Oh, I thought you meant, like, <laughs> like the government sent the kid to camp. Yeah, it's like the death of a particular character in a particular movie we watched. <laughs> More on that later, I guess. Terrible transition. Uh, who wants to go first? Oh, docket time. Well, I just consumed a drunken noodle, but that's not me. Nice. Drunken noodle. Drunken noodle. That didn't answer. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was, wait, was there a question? <laughs> what was the question? I think saying drunken noodle with a question mark at the end sort of says, hey, what is drunken noodle? Oh, I thought <laughs> you were just like Probably. repeating it. Yeah, famous. So what is drunken noodle? Uh, It's like fat noodle with like Thai spice and fried tofu. That's what I got. Fat noodle. Oh, oh sure. where'd you get it noodle. from? Uh, A place in Virginia. That apparently has catered to the Thai embassy. Oh. Oh. Like, what? <laughs> like, officially? Yeah. Drunken Noodle always the... seemed like an American thing to me. I liked it. I love it. Mm. But yes. <laughs> uh, to answer Tim's actual question. Wait, hold things... on, I got this. Uh, oh, okay. Did you eat your Drunken Noodle out of a cup? <laughs> oh. No, it was out of a, out of a plate, like normal noodles. And did you put the cup on your head? <laughs> um, was it actually, the last thing you ate? Was it a delicious last course? Well, actually, I played with each chalice. Um, Were the noodles yes, animated? I'm not good at this, guys. I think there's any noodle in the Cuphead DLC. I don't not remember fighting a noodle. I fought a cow that robbed a bank and then threw out the level the cow turned into i think the first like a t-bone steak and then into a can of uh, its own sausage which i then shot mm. well i guess i guess for people who don't know uh, what is what is cuphead and what is the delicious last course it's, it's either delicious last course or delicious last meal i forgot which one but cuphead is a it's a really cool uh, 2d side scroller video game that's all hand drawn uh, it's like uh, Steamboat Mickey era design style. So like super old, like 1920s art style. Um, really fun game. It's like a bullet hell shooter game. But uh, yeah, super cute. Very adorable. But it takes them forever to release anything on it because it's all hand-drawn. I think the DLC took a total of like four years. And the DLC is only like, <laughs> you beat it in probably an hour. Really? It's, it's that short? Yeah, it's no, It's like maybe... Four or five extra bosses. Cause I uh, I still haven't played the original. Um, it's been on my my to do list for a while. Uh, I I think I fought like one boss like at a friend's house, but I didn't know it was that short. 
Oh yeah, yeah, super. Short. I mean, it's it's all hand drawn, so, and yeah. and they're a small studio, but it's really fun, and the music is fantastic. Do you think it's as hard as everyone says it is, or are those just non gamers? No, no, I've played uh, true Japanese bullet hells, and where there's like one quarter inch of space on the screen that's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, Cuphead is nothing like right. that, but it, it it can still be hard if you're not paying attention. Toho or. I've always said Tauho, but yes, I, I, I know what, what you, you're just talking about. I remember, like, later it got, like, very difficult. Yes, there's an infamous uh, boss. Uh, I think it's either uh, King Dice or Satan himself. But it's, like, a, a lot of stages without checkpoints, and if you die, you go back to the beginning. It's like a 20-minute right. fight. Jeez. Yeah. But you, you get to fight some evil uh, casino lord who has the head. Of, yeah. a of, of a die. Like, how many bosses are there? I know you said it's only, like, an hour. I think there's only, like, five main bosses, and then there's, like, challenge dungeon area where you get to fight, I think, three or four extra ones, but they're not, like, story-related. You can really, like, pal around and, like, actually uh, uh, enjoy some extra time. I think the main draw was uh, from it was that the original Cuphead only had two playable characters, uh, Cuphead and Mugman. 1920s cartoon style, so the names are reminiscent of what they are. Cuphead has a cup, Mugman has a mughead. Um, and then the extra third character is now Miss Chalice, who has the head of a chalice. Um, mm-hmm. And they all have chalice. different movesets. But she was, she was an additional female character. Uh, the, actually, the only female character that you play as. So it was cool. Do they have uh, alt abilities, like, or do they all play the same? No, they each have, their different, they each have different uh, abilities. You can assign... Certain abilities that transfer over, but like they each have their own special like dodge mechanics and super moves. How does it compare to the base game? They were quite smart. They didn't like change anything. Like the original Cuphead was good because it was cute, adorable, good music. But they didn't reinvent it or like try to like they didn't mess it up, which is fine. Uh, there was one thing. So, um, whenever you beat a boss, you get like a knockout screen. It's like something says knockout, and you see the boss like kind of like die. Um, but there was a fake knockout in the DLC where there's an extended boss for like 20 seconds that you have to dodge and kill um, or else you go back to the beginning. So that got a lot of people, um, the fake, fake, fake knockout. But that was the only difference. I'm a fan of like fake knockouts. Um, I haven't seen that one in particular, but like the two that stick out to me are like, there's like a Doom map that's really long and ends on a, like a fake exit screen that's really funny, especially if you get tricked by it and die. As a result, but like the other one I'm thinking of is, uh, I didn't get this far in Sekiro, the monkey fight, Love which monkey sort of does fight. that. Oh, yeah, um, you kill it and then it becomes like a centipede. No, something like that. The mon- no, the oh, no, isn't it like, yeah, doesn't it like come out of nowhere and then like you, fake its death? You and... chop its head off, picks up the sword you used, and goes at you headless. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it has a parasite inside of it controlling it. But yeah, that's what I. That and listening to my full music that I created. I did see that you posted stuff, and I didn't get around to listening to it, so I'll have to at some point. I posted stuff? It looked, like, good. Uh, like, you posted music, from what I remember. Oh, yeah, like nine years ago. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, not not recently, but... Is it Palette Sounds? Palette, yeah. That's the name I gave in high school. It's not a shameless plug. I just thought, oh, I can, you know, share some classic. 
for the Jesse, I noticed, I don't know if it was a rewatch or if it was uh, uh, your first watch, but you seem to have watched one of my favorite films of all times, Connected to New York. What did you want to That's say That's one of that? your favorite films of all times? Yeah. I thought Tim was about to say his favorite film of all time was Ma. <laughs> I don't know what Ma is. It's this <laughs> horror movie. No, that's like Mama. A couple of years. No, there's one it's just Ma. called yeah. Ma. There is? Oh, I was going to make a Mama joke. Yeah. It's a really bad one. But it has that woman in it I really like. Octavia um, Spencer. Octavia Spencer. Yeah. yeah. Short black lady. Yeah. But anywho. Synecdoche, New York. That's your what favorite... Film of all time that's in there? It's up there. I think that's a movie that requires at least two watches just because of how self-referential it is. It's difficult to get enough out of it without seeing... Foreshadowing isn't the right term um, because it's almost foreshadowing yeah. for your next viewing. The everythingness. Yeah, it's just so like uh, self-contained and self-referential that you need a second watch to understand what's going on at the beginning a, a little bit more. Um, but I think when you do that, it's like really well-constructed movie. As miserable and depressed as it is, I do like what it has to say. <laughs> well, no shit. You're not gonna like a happy film. I like some happy films. <laughs> Name one, one. Uh... Happy Frozen. Feet. I... <laughs> no. I can't think... Uh, uh... Did you not take this long, Tim? Uh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, this is taking me... I mean, if you asked while. me to name a happy film, it would take me this long, to be honest. Yeah. Uh... Mulan. Non-animated, non-kids. I don't know. Oh, non-kids? Uh, Daddy Daycare. Beautiful, beautiful day ends on, on a good note. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> you, know what the, uh, you know what the note is? Home Alone. Repo Man ends on a good note. Home Alone? Oh, yeah. Well, Home Alone is a like terrifying that. movie. <laughs> what? In, in modern time. That's not a happy movie. It ends on a happy note, even if it involves, like, Home invasion. borderline brutal murder. Yeah. I can't even think of, like, a purely happy mood lifting film the sound of music oh no tim you like punch drunk love oh yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. yeah there you go okay yeah punch drunk love is yeah, yeah. i watched so <laughs> many times of sound of music when i was little um mm -hmm. because uh, my dad purchased like a english textbook sound of music mm. for me so it's like the entire recording of the movie with a book that has the English script and the Chinese translation on it. Mm. It basically, like, I can memorize, like, everything about this movie that is in a very ridiculous <laughs> level. Like, I hate it. I learned a I lot. I learned a lot of things from them. Like, that movie, just that whole experience, because back then we didn't have much media to, uh, media to consume. So I just played it again and again. And I learned, like, some English vocabularies I specifically learned from Sound of Music. <laughs> like, telegraph, um, stop, and period as punctuations. And uh, impossible, at ease. <laughs> yeah, very weird. Yeah. Um, Do you know it both in Chinese and English, or one or the other? Oh, just the English. Like, of course I know, like, what they mean in Chinese, but I didn't memorize all the Chinese script. <laughs> that would be weird. Sure. I was, <laughs> I was curious. Well, you said it was a translation, so I was curious if... Oh, it has both. It. It's like, like, yeah. it's like, uh, left, left hand is uh, English and right hand is Chinese, so mm -hmm. it 
helps you to understand. I think like that's the first one, and then my dad bought me Rebecca. I think it's by his. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's yeah. the second English textbook <laughs> movie thing I got. Yeah. Rebecca, like from the forties. I think so. Like that one. Yeah. About the crazy woman. The woman. Right? The widow. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, can <laughs> not Schenectady, 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 New York. <laughs> That's staying in. Schenectic, 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 Schenectic. I don't care. Um, Synodote. When I have very strenuous weeks and I don't want to watch anything new, I uh-huh. will, like, categorize my watching for the week. Like, last week with the character intros. Um, this week, so I read this thing, this concept in Japanese art called Ma which is not based on an Octavia Spencer horror film. Um, (laughs) It's this concept of negative space in cinema and in music, appreciating the beats that are very present in real human life converted into, you know, film for you. Hanging on um, a character looking at a bird, even though it has no real emphasis over the plot or anything or relevance to um, character development or story. But just that it is something that actually, like, it's a beat that exists in reality that they're then trying to capture to make the film feel more real. I, I tried to watch a bunch of films that play with it or don't play with it. And I read this from a discussion between Roger Ebert, our favorite, and um, Miyazaki. Ebert was like, wow, your film has such gratuitous movement. Which I was like, wow, that's kind of a dick thing to say to the, <laughs> to the guy. And he, he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, there's like shots where they're just like looking at a blade of grass. And Miyazaki explained this concept to him. I realized that my problem with Synecdoche, New York, is that it's trying to be this very humanistic, realistic psychosis, but it doesn't have anything very beat-wise to draw me into. Because this is that's where I really find relatability, I think. In the heat. Yeah, and Miyazaki films are coded in it. And then I watched... Um, my dinner with Andre because it's very heavily influences my thesis, and I, so I looked in it for anything in that, and there was nothing. There was there was there were no beats, and I I think I've always hated the characters. <laughs> like I love the film and I love what they're doing and I think it's brilliant, but I don't give a single shit about either of the characters in the film. And I love the acting. That's interesting. That you would say it's like one of your favorite films of all time, right? Just with how much mm. you pull from it. Yeah, I don't watch it as much as I do my other favorite films. Like, I, I do think it, it's equally fascinating and boring. You bring it up quite a bit. As you said, It was it's like part of your thesis, but like... What's a class? It seems so character-centric, and it's just interesting that, like, you laud it as much as you do if you don't like the characters themselves. It's the primary influence over my thesis. But that's also because I just want that type of film to exist more. But you can show, you can have Ma, you can have negative space in a dialogue-driven thing, I think, you know? It, it isn't just the gaps in action, you know? Yeah. With Miyazaki, it makes sense, though. Miyazaki's, like, environmentalism, I feel like, lends a lot to that. Like, being willing to let the environment speak for itself for a bit and let things happen that, you know, would happen in real life rather than this editing technique that we're sort of used to 
where the realism of a world is sort of like cut away just for like a, a quicker editing, if that makes any sense. Well, the, the other thing is that, and you were getting on, you were touching on it, is that it, it creates world building without drawing up lore. You know, mm -hmm. um, it gives an it gives an aesthetic and a and a, and a spatial reasoning to, to the world. And like, I'm gonna really try to like instill and follow that with the thesis. Uh, maybe Chloe can like speak more to this than I can because I haven't seen any films in it. But um, isn't that a lot what like Italian neorealism's about too? They tend to hold on shots to show like people who live in the environment who aren't the main characters. Oh, absolutely. And I'd also say someone who really capitalizes on that is Antonioni, and all of his stuff is very spatialized because he's all about like desert landscapes mm -hmm. and like linear shots like linear perspective shots too his films are just so beautiful but it's all about yeah what's not there highly recommend checking out antonioni i i find this quite interesting because i with the concept of like ma and like interspace and film and i'm assuming this has to deal with like filmatic like long shot this is where this comes from it's interesting. Um, no, <laughs> no, really. You said they're focusing. Well, on I don't know enough etym etymologically. Um, not necessarily having to do with pacing, and I would even find that this is more about cutting, mm. and the opposite of holding. Oh, I just lost my train of thought so hard. What did you do to me, Fame? <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> no, I think it has like something to do with gap. I only know like time and space. Uh, these two words in Chinese are actually influenced um, by Japanese scholars. They come up with the origin uh, words of these two concepts. They both have ma in there. That's really? All I know. Yeah. Um, so it's like hmm. fundamentally this two idea, time and space, has uh, idea of gap within it that's um, what film and photography is right i don't know that's all i know <laughs> 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 no i've never like actually encountered this concept in cinema studies actually i think of it as a compression of time and space right and but more so photography than film i don't know i feel it's very hard it's a it's a it's a it's a kind of a concept that is very hard to express or translate explicitly. I also just like thinking of negative space as more than a visual composition, you know? That there's negative space in the beat of your editing. <laughs> like the necessity of adopting this specific concept from Japanese culture. How is that difference from, different from negative space? So does duration matter for, ne for negative space? Or is it just like what you're focusing on well that's why the cutting is really interesting and the whole compressing of time and space is really interesting because you're lying at all times if you ever cut or if you ever any you know um so it's and, cutting and, fast really and within the same time frame and this is the big miyazaki thing there's like 40 seconds of information housed into one second of cut or or you know it might be a 40 second cut but only one second of action transpired in the uh story mm -hmm. Because, like, the, I mean, the place my mind is going is, like, Tarkovsky with his refusal mm. to cut and, like, holding on the space uh -huh. and, like, letting, like, the space speak for itself and letting the, the viewer 
sort of get immersed in that space, but I'm not sure if I'm like misunderstanding the concept. I don't think so. It seems like a pretty fluid concept. I don't know, but then I'd I'd argue I I'm not really understanding this concept because then on the other side of Tarkovsky you have someone like Ozu who's Japanese and his compositions are so tight right. and like within the frame. Yeah. So I'm not sure if movement has anything to do with it. No, it's not necessarily movement. It's um, ways of stating things that would otherwise have been unstated that don't necessitate the plot or the story. Yeah, I need to. I need to look into this. Yeah. Well, that's what I, that's what really brought me to it. It's like there's, you know, we we understand the idea of negative space in in visual composition, but then to expand that to the time constraints and dialogue and spatial reasoning and stuff that that really blows my mind. Anyway, Synecdoche, New York, is a very flat film. I don't know if I agree, just because of, like, its self-referential quality and its, like, um, fractalization of itself, I feel like gives it a lot of depth. I mean, flat, flat definitely has a pejorative background, but I don't mean it as necessarily negative, you know? What do you mean by flat? Like, superficial? Or... No, I mean, like, my notion of this concept is that you're not world building, you're just revealing bits of the world that had already been there. Okay. And Synecdoche doesn't do any of it. It's very in his own head and mm, programmed strictly okay. to it and does not reach beyond that. So because it's so like it's such an introspective movie yes. and it focuses on an individual character, it doesn't end up showing the rest of the world, is uh, what you're saying. Which is, you know, not unintentional, partially. Yeah. Okay. He's very much on an island. Um, but it leaves it very, like, <laughs> have you ever watched, like, Guardians of the Galaxy? I, I have. Oh, wait, is that the one with the, with the raccoon? Yeah. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> the whole film is on a green screen, obviously. Uh -huh. And then there's one shot, or, like, one scene, it's been a long time, there's, like, one scene that all of a sudden is not on a green screen, and they were, like, real cameras in real places with real humans, and there's actual space and everything, and you're, like, Oh whoa! This was a dramatic. Like they, I don't think they meant for it to be this big moment, but it feels so insanely different that you then realized how garbage the rest was. <laughs> uh, with what I've seen with like the screenshots of recent Marvel stuff, uh, it sounds like that problem's only gotten worse. This is not me coming out against Marvel. They'll get me. No, <laughs> I. I, I will I will take that they'll come, stand. They'll come for me. We'll fight with you, Jesse. Me and me and me and Mark. Damn, I don't even remember the last time I when's the last time I watched a Marvel. Yeah, I've never seen uh, Endgame. I, I I stopped caring after a while. There are just so many. Yeah, that was the right decision. Just because, like, I was more or less just pulled into them by my my family. Uh, I would not have gone to see them otherwise, uh, and they're all, they all are really the same. Endgame is, like, it's too long, it's whatever, it, it's fine for what it is. Uh, I kind of just hate them on principle, though, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Just like I mean, everything about them. I, I enjoy the comics, but aside from that. I like the interconnectivity stuff, but I don't like that that then imprisons you into making sure that you watch every bit of them. <laughs> yeah, I can, I I think I agree with that. Like, that's the one part about them I respect, is that they develop this complex world that's interconnected, but, like, 
everything else about them is kind of just. But they didn't even they didn't like yeah. the comics did that. The yeah, movies. yeah, that's that's, that's a good point too. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the answer is to throw like seven billion dollars worth of budget into making it cinematic. Well, no, and it's also to throw a seven billion dollar budget so that it'll it will do well in the foreign markets. Mm. Like you simplify everything, you get rid of any kind of cultural importance. Like, cause the like the foreign markets these days are it's like driving Hollywood. So if you just make these huge blockbusters and make a shit ton of money, then everyone's happy. Here's the real hard hitting journalism. Tim, uh, Hollywood, Hollywood, and the and the theater industry would be entirely dead without the MCU. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that I think that argument stands on the idea that like it's taken over the film industry, but it didn't have to take over the right, film no, no. industry. I'm not saying it had to um, be this way. I'm saying it is this way now. Sure, uh, and I I think that's a strike against that 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 type of filmmaking, if anything. Um, like I again, I I have said this many times. I would prefer that we get like ten medium to small budget films than one like really big blockbuster film a year, um, because I think that's healthier and more innovative and like just better for like a media ecosystem in general. Um, than <laughs> oh, like my gosh, trying to force these giant event movies that like nobody talks about after a week. Well, so the hard hitting journalism part was to say this is bad. Is you saying death to Hollywood? Sure. To which I agree. Well, okay. okay. The, At least we can agree on that. The interesting thing here is, um, in preparation for today's homework, I watched um, Steven Soderbergh. He gave a state of cinema address at mm -hmm. the San Francisco International Film Festival in 2013, mm -hmm. and he threw out this number, or he spoke about. Um, these studio movies and how studio movies, um, there's less of them on the market now, and there's hundreds of independent movies coming out every mm -hmm. year. Um, mm -hmm. Just people will somehow go spend their money um, for the studio movies, but more independent movies are being made than studio movies, but they're just not getting money. So, like, independent movies are like oversaturating like the market almost yeah and no one's going to see them yeah well just like a quick scroll through like netflix will tell you that as well yeah right? like how yeah. many well, how many like no-name documentaries do you find just by like looking netflix at, like, weirdly enough is a savior of the independent movie right now mm -hmm. because they're funding them because they, they need anything they can to get especially after disney plus yeah. because netflix had all the disney shit before that and now they need anything to have a content library. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's just a bad situation all around. It like the yeah, it the film industry. It is and it isn't. I I think it's actually a really 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 good time in cinema and we're and film is more accessible than ever to create, right? You make a fucking 10-hour film on an iPhone. And huge names are doing it. I I do just think you need like a slightly bigger movies. Uh, you think social uh, currently have dynamic and perspective matter. I think it, it's sort of the same problem that the games industry has with indie games, where when it, the market is so oversaturated, like ninety nine percent of them fail. Right? Like we talked about Cuphead earlier, and one of the big stories about Cuphead when it was it initially launched 
was it was this giant indie success story. Oh, they were in bankruptcy. They uh, they had to sell like their house in order to like finish the game. And like that's great and all. I'm glad that they were able to like release a game that was as popular as it was and as ambitious as it was. Like I think when you have a, an ecosystem where you have like a a ton of like independent artists who are fighting over crumbs, it, ignoring like the exception for like one or two artists who make it you know into the semi mainstream i i don't think that's like a good sign for like the 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 progression of art you know um yeah i i am like i do like the democratization of art wider you know you can you can also say like youtube as a medium and like the developments that youtube and uh, the videos on there have been like taking over the last like i don't know five ten years is like also influential to film in a lot of ways and also very important um but i do think there is something lost uh, a little bit when what the majority of funding just goes to these giant like marvel movies more or less right but that's also why um i have so much respect for soderbergh too because he kind of toes the line between um big studio movies yeah. and then these indie movies because you know he did ocean's 11 <laughs> um magic mike was a big warner brothers film um but then at the same time you know he's the iphone movie guy he did unsane like he's yeah. always kind of pushing the boundaries um, i mean this film that we'll talk about more spoilers <laughs> is like a fucking godard <laughs> i don't know i'm not so sure much. I, I haven't seen godard to be that. fair but <laughs> I'm not Wait, honey, we'll you do we'll or you there. don't? I'm not sure if I agree with that. <laughs> okay. We'll talk more. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll, get to we'll talk more about the Mexican scenes, which made me want to rip my <laughs> eye yeah. again. How hard it was to look at. Yes. <laughs> well, it's very it doesn't suspicious. help that there's no, there's no good digital copy. Mm-hmm. We'll there get was there. a point. Well, I'll, I'll get to it. We'll get there. We'll get there. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, oh. how about... Who's who's Yoshiki's 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 Yoshiki, Yoshiki, Oh god, Yoshiko Sai. I don't know. I just <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Monkey Go? Oh cool. So, I don't know who this uh, musician artist is, um but I've listened to the entire of this album. It sounds amazing. If anyone of you knows about this person, feel free to talk yeah. about her. I don't know about oh, this her. Is, this is her page. Yeah. Uh, the music yeah. is fantastic. Oh, she, she's J-pop. Oh, yeah, she's Japanese. I, I want to listen to her. This is up my alley. She, um, her music is really good. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this image is blocked either due to legal restrictions. No, no, no. She's 69. Nice. <laughs> Nice. She's topless in it, uh, and so on RYM. So I need to be an 18-year-old. Yeah, I need to prove it. But I'm only um, 14. Yeah, it's one of the top reviews says, I mean, I like cats, I like topless ladies, but why can't I get into this album? <laughs> because sound is not a visual medium. That's a 2017 review? Oh my god. No, this looks interesting, though. Let's start this all over again. Ask me the question. <laughs> hey, hey uh, yeah, Famous, I love Bioshock 2, but I'm wondering what Hanyu did last week. What is Bioshock? 
<laughs> oh my god. What is that? Famous? Yeah. Famous? What's up? Hi. What happened? What is what Bioshock? Is, what is Bioshock? Was that a legitimate question? What is yeah. that? It sounds like some kind of therapy name. That is a horrible therapy, whatever it is. <laughs> Bioshock? Uh, would you, would you kindly? Yeah. It's shock therapy. Yeah, I guess um, that is a type of therapy. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so Bioshock, the least original, is a really cool 2006 um, game that uh, questions morality of choice in video games. Oh. Um, you know, as, as a video game, you get to like control your character and like you get to puppet them. Kind oh, of. I think I've heard the Chinese author. Oh, really? Oh, do you know what it is in Chinese? Yeah, the problem is that, like, I struggle with this, like, basically my entire time after moving to America. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the title in English and Chinese are completely different. So some things, most of the time, a lot of things I know in Chinese, I have no idea what their English name is. And when people are talking about them, like, I just don't know what it is. And later on, I might discover, oh, it's that thing. But... That makes me, like, impossible to join the discussion at the time. <laughs> it's just really annoying. Like, it's just... Ugh. Like, it's okay. We- uh, Miyazaki's name in Japanese is Miyaz- Miyazaki. <laughs> right? Yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, sorry. In English, Miyazaki. Uh, in Chinese, it's Gongxijun. It's like... No relation at all. <laughs> you oh. know, like, yeah, so, wow. yeah. That applies towards names as well? I didn't know that. It's just so annoying. I mean, Japanese, they did some revolutionary um, evolve, ev- evolution, evolutionary evolution. Revolutionary evolution. Revolutionary evolution. <laughs> <laughs> reform on their language. So they have a perfect system to basically uh, spell out the pronunciations and words in alphabet letters um but they're still using the the chinese when it's used in chinese Uh, so so it's like completely two systems (laughs) i I thought china uh, was the one that had the simplified version of um kanji Mm -hmm. yeah interesting Uh, Hmm. Isn't that what Hepburns are though? Aren't isn't Hepburns like the uh the simplification of Japanese into like an English translation? Or am I misunderstanding, speaking out my ass, whatever? This is all great questions. I have to do some um I I, I don't know. Like for example, like Bioshock, now I know, so it's that game. And uh in my memory is always like be remembered in that Chinese name. And that mm. name is like something like bio amazing soldiers like bio power soldiers something like that that is such a literal translation and uh, that's a much better Uh, name no but again (laughs) it has absolutely zero relation with bioshock and yeah Yeah, but the name bioshock has zero relation with the game that's, that's fair as well. well. Yes, it does. It has... I mean, the bio, the bio, but the shock, that's only like yeah, one thing. Nothing. You know? no. It's not like it, it, the it, entire it, thing isn't a shock. No, y- yes, it is. Uh, the, the, the way like the way they got powers in the game was uh, this deep undersea slug. So it, it, it was like a shock to the system. It, it, it turned the people uh, like deranged. It, it, it oh, really changed their Yeah, energy. I guess I was thinking of it the other way. Like a little electric oh, shock. Like, that's yeah, one power, yeah. but... Yeah, it's but, been a uh, while. Uh, I only thought of like the injections. So, well, uh, essentially, uh, it's a game that uses uh, 
and and Rand's philosophy of um uh crap, I forgot what her philosophy is called. Um Objectivism. Objectivism. Because, sorry, just because she thought <laughs> God Yeah, you got something to say, Tim? She thought her philosophy was the correct philosophy. So therefore it's objectively correct. All right. It's an object. And he's oriented. Uh, but essentially, the, the the main antagonist is uh, a play on Anne Rand. The main antagonist is Andrew Ryan. Well, he's not the main one, but he's one of the main ones. Um, he built this undersea city away from governments, away from anything else. It's his own temple underwater, and he refuses to let anyone else take it from him. Eventually, he blows it up, which is similar to um, Fountainhead, I believe. Spoiler. So for what? Bioshock <laughs> Spoiler. Or Fountainhead. Spoiler for a seventy-year-old book. <laughs> Both in your book and an old game, <laughs> but it, it's a super cool game. So famous, hmm. would would you kindly tell us about Bioshock Two? Uh, I, people hate it. I like it because they said it was a continuation of the original story. Um, I, I it, it was like a, it wasn't that different. I enjoy Bioshock Two because you get to play something called a big daddy, um, which is pretty much an undersea diver that like is in this suit permanently. Um, and you have these things called little sisters, or like tiny, tiny little humans that collect uh, genetic fluid from people in this deranged city for purposes that I forget. Um, it, 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 it's, a, it's still a really cool game and a really cool environment. You're in this undersea city, and it's really pretty and very dark. <laughs> I never played the second one, or Infinite for that matter, to be fair, but... Um... Yeah, like, my, I don't know, my opinion on Bioshock is, like, it should have ended. After the twist is revealed, because that last third is a bit rough, uh, I would, that that last boss fight is just terrible, in my opinion. I mean, yes. Um, yeah, you're right, but, eh. They do it again in Infinite. Oh, come on. Well, the yeah. ending's great, but it's, like, it, okay. yeah, he doesn't know how to, what's his name? The director? Oh. Such a, he's, like, an auteur, but, but like, Ken Levine. Ken Levine? That that yeah, that's a that's a name, that's a person's name. It's definitely a person's name. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a person in the games industry's name. Yeah, it's uh, Ken Levine. It do, it does it again. It's like oh, the game ended. Oh wait, no, it didn't. <laughs> oh wait, why didn't it end back then? I still enjoyed it. I I, I didn't mind the extended ending. What uh what prompted Bioshock Two in particular <laughs> for this week? Um, hmm. That's a melting question. of the polar ice cap. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why I I, I did two and in, in, instead of one. Uh, I guess it was I flipped a coin between playing the original <laughs> and the sequel. Cool beats. Have we been through everyone's? Damn it! I referred to the. Have we... <laughs> Has someone been watching media that they wanted to talk about? I'll censor the word. Time it comes up, including the time that I just said it. I really like this idea. That would be hilarious. I really like this idea that we're talking about something that is present over there, and we keep talking about it, but it's absent, like completely in the in the podcast. <laughs> I just saw Netflix gonna um, make it to movie series. Bioshock. Movie yeah. Series. Yeah. Yeah. They are. That's, oh god, I didn't hear about that. <laughs> oh no! I'm waiting for that. Oh no! Trash. It's gonna be good. Um, hopefully. 
Is there a good movie video uh, video game movie yet? Because yeah. I don't <laughs> Super Mario Bros. movie. Uh... Yes. <laughs> is that animated or is that live action? Live no, action. Super Mario Bros. movie. No yeah. no, yeah, that's live action. It is good very God. very live action. Please look up a Super Mario Bros. movie Goomba. Right. Or yeah. I'll find yeah. It. I'll yeah. It. <laughs> I was I was gonna tell him to do that. Uh, is there a good um uh video game movie like a video game that's been made into a movie or a movie yeah. that's been a video game? <laughs> Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh my God! What is this? I what is that? Doubt that. That is not a Goomba. <laughs> oh my God! That's a Goomba. That's no. barely Bowser. That's that is that is the bad guy is from the Amazing Spider-Man who cameoed oh my God. in Super no, Mario. Now I can't even remove this picture out of my brain. <laughs> you can't take it off of Discord. <laughs> I like its teeth. You cursed her. That's not a Goomba. A Goomba's a mushroom. What you would think. <laughs> I would know. <laughs> yeah, they went um, more in the reptile direction. Now, in their defense, I don't know how they would represent a Goomba. It's a mushroom. Well, I, the problem is trying to make a Super Mario Bros. <laughs> live action movie in the first place. Yeah. It They're looks making like one. The, They're making an animated one. The uh, Goomba, <laughs> is that a rock thing in the game? No, it's supposed to be a mushroom. Wait, I thought it's a rock. Goomba. A Goomba? Uh, no. I could see why, but I think it's meant to just be a little mushroom. Uh, an angry mushroom. It looks really like the Mr. Potato in Toy Story. <laughs> I, I can yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah. The only answer I can give to you, Tim, is maybe the Resident Evil things, and yeah, they're like decent. That's cheating. I've heard that like those movies are more or less like just a star vehicle for uh, the director's wife. Mm -hmm. I don't remember his name, but um, I've also I've heard that they're like completely terrible. But there is a select group of people who like absolutely love those movies, uh, like completely unironically. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about those. I don't love them, but I don't hate them. It's it, it's a zombie movie. I'm I'm. It's like junk food. Wait, are we talking video games adapted into movies or the other way around? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's games adapted kind of into movies. Okay, because there's great other way around. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I can't. I'm hard pressed to think of any anything good from video game to movie. Apparently, Sonic isn't terrible. I can believe it. I, I, I feel like it'd just be boring, though. Um, I'm not counting, like, Pokemon as well. Detective Pikachu aren't should definitely good. count. Uh, alright, but... Why? I don't, the movie's not great. <laughs> it's uh, fine. I think it's as good as it's gonna get for a fucking Pokemon okay. movie. Okay, that's, that's fair. <laughs> so, this reminds me of... Have you guys seen the uh, Shrek musical? <laughs> Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard that it exists. Yeah. I haven't and I've seen like uh photos of it, it's but I haven't watched it. <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen images and I was I was traumatized. <laughs> oh, you're saying that's what the Goomba looks like. No, no, like, no. I was we were just oh. talking about adaption, right? <laughs> yeah. Thinking about this. It's just terrible. <laughs> terrible and funny. I I'm 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 kind of happy that they made Donkey like a black guy instead of a white guy in blackface. Well, if he were just in a full body Precious. like a donkey mask. No, no, it's, it's it's just not good. It's it's just not good. At all. Also, what's the point? Of a Shrek yeah, musical? exactly. Money. I think, yeah, I think the point is that. Uh, 
Broadway isn't doing very well right now. This <laughs> is so bottom, to... This was pre. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I'm not even saying COVID. I mean more just the direction Broadway's gone, where they just adapt uh, already recognized things, uh, mm. and then just run those for a while. I mean, if they put it on 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 ice, I would feel better. Wait, are any of you made better by being oh, oh Shrek on ice? Any of you were musical kids in my school, high school? Sorry, why did I say by school? Yes, <laughs> high school. We all went no. to Hondi's high school. Oh my God, Jesse, you were a musical kid. Take one look at me and tell me that I wasn't in fucking musical theater. <laughs> yeah. <he did>. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, I can. Say it. I was much more successful in the non-musical variety. <laughs> what is that? Did you do like stage lighting or something? Plays. Oh. Uh, there was no singing in plays? But yes, I was a theater geek. <laughs> so if there's singing in a play, does it then become a musical? Is it music? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> then it's musical. Does the music propel the plot? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, probably not, but does it re- propel the plot in a musical? It's not necessary. My favorite musical moment in a non-musical do you guys know that song by imogen heap what you say what's it called um that they used in the oh, OC yeah. and snl parodied it i think tim does yeah. i do not my me and tim we're alone here you're alone an island of tea. my my favorite use of imogen heap is a sample for uh for i'm god by Lil yeah. oh what <laughs> this is real talk What song is this? <laughs> was this made by Kanye? No, it was it was, uh, it was produced by Clams Casino. That's a one of the most important banger. one of the most Im- yeah. yeah, one of the most important producers of the last like 20 years. Well, maybe not 20, 50, 10 15 years, but anyway. <laughs> what you say? Yeah. Anyway, they put that in the fucking Harry Potter play at the crux of the climax, the emotional climax and I'm in the audience cracking up and nobody understands why. Oh my god. So they did the SNL parody, but unironically. Right. And well, because she did all the music and she actually did great, but then she was like, I'm gonna put this in the most important place. Everything else was original to the mute to the to the play. Thing. Mm-hmm. But then this one part wasn't, and I was just dying. Oh god, what an image. Cool, okay. I've never been in a musical. I've always worked lighting though and stage stuff. I've been a roadie. I think my favorite non-musical musical is already mentioned, Punch Drunk Love. Are you saying it has like just the musical story beats, but minus any of the actual singing? Yeah. So like, there's like moments, especially with the lens flares, where like it feels like a song's right. about to like, begin, or like their emotions yeah. are about to come out through song or whatever. Um. Or like intermission, and then the whole like he needs me, like the that song. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I think I agree with you. There are a lot of movies that that aren't musicals that go into musical for just one scene, and they're usually my favorite scene of the movie. I haven't seen Adam Sandler in a while. Billy Madison is uncut gems. (laughs) Yeah, the uncut gems musical (laughs) scene was crazy. Wait, remind me again where 
I don't remember this musical scene there. No, there wasn't. Okay. No, there was the opposite of a musical scene. The whole movie is the opposite of a musical. The music was amazing, though. Wasn't? Isn't it done by uh, something point? I forgot that name. Yeah. yeah. One of Trick's point yes, ever yes. slash uh, Daniel Lopez. Yes, the uh, music was really good. Another one of the most important musicians of the last like 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. I would argue. I was Chris looking, is really good. I was looking up Punch Drunk Love, and somehow I got onto Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights, another yeah. Banger. There you go. Same director. I mean, so oh, okay. we'll 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 get. To, I'm jumping the uh, not the shark gun here, but one of the other most important uh, composers of this century and the last century was in Traffic. Uh, I did like the soundtrack, but uh, of Traffic, I was it. The soundtrack. The soundtrack uh, of traffic is a hilarious us saying Tim. Uh, oh, Cliff Martinez. Yeah. Okay. No. Fat Boy Slim. Oh, that's what it says. <laughs> no. Yep. Fat Boy Slim. Wait, what? No. There's a, what? There's a Fat Boy Slim song. Yeah, you know that Christopher is there? Walken I didn't know that. cameo. <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me hear the song. When? When was that? There was a Chris. Did I miss it? It was the. No, it's a Fat Boy Slim reference. It was the... No, I mean Christopher Walken. Oh. No, because he was in the... Uh... Well, whatever. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh... <laughs> okay. Brian Eno. Chloe, yeah. talk about Twin Peaks The Return. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would love to. So I rewatched it, um, finally finished. It's taken me like three months to like get through it. Just been taking my time. Um... But I love it. I love Lynch. I think I'm going to... This is the start of my going back into all of Lynch's filmography now. And I think all I'm missing is um, that like Disney movie he made. Uh, is that Straight Story? Yeah, or? yeah. I still got to yeah. see Straight Story and um, The Missing Pieces, which is a bonus feature, I think, for from Firewalk With Me. Have you seen his shorts? Is that? Yeah, I've seen the majority of his shorts. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen all of them. But yeah. I mean, he's got some pretty bad shorts, to be fair. Like, uh, <laughs> what is it? Because uh, he references one of them, uh, like Pierre and Sonny Jim. Oh, yeah. Like, that, one is, that is awful, and I don't know why he... I mean, Sonny Jim is maybe the funniest name you can come up I with. I love Sonny Jim. A, a small, <laughs> for a small boy. Um. But, like, he has a short where it's just, like, two rubber gloves, like, screaming at each other for, like, a minute. I think a very Tim, Tim short that he has, like, the you, the most you short is Six Men Getting Sick. That was his first one. Yeah. That's the first film he It's very your vibe. I think Tim would love The Alphabet. I've seen The Alphabet. Alphabet's good. Um, Yeah. I like I don't he should work more with animation cuz he's got a unique style in that from what I remember. Well he he also animated them. Like he he didn't outsource any of that. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um I wonder if that's like why well, we'll go back to Twin Peaks a bit. I wonder if that's like did he do episode 8 then cuz that seems like semi animated at times. I oh, probably. I don't know how much he did. I'd like to have a little conversation with him. <laughs> Yeah, you'd like to talk to David Lynch. I'd like to talk to David Lynch. You'd get nothing out of it and still feel so emotionally stirred. 
Like he wouldn't say anything of substance, but it would be so substantial. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he'd just start no. telling me what the weather's gonna be <laughs> or something. And you would cry. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna rain. I just saw he practices transcendental meditation. Yeah, there's that I watched the the episode I think we mentioned this last week actually, but there's that scene that one scene in one of the episodes uh where like Bobby is like trying to discover like why there was a shot outside or something. Oh, yeah. Um and the result the resolution of that, me and my friends when we were watching it just was just like he got he's too he's too deep into that transcendental meditation shit. <laughs> like this is a hundred percent a result of that. Is Twin Peaks going to become the uh, meta of the podcast once a week somehow? Absolutely not. Pro- ab- probably. <laughs> Fuck no. Probably. Where's Where's Twin Peaks the musical? That's that's what I'm. Wondering. Twin Peaks on <laughs> ice would be fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It would be fire. Walk with me. Twin Peaks. There's no on way. On ice. On ice cream. <laughs> there is a um. I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but there is a uh, uh, a version of Hooters that's called Twin Peaks. <laughs> what? Yeah, this is what just popped up when I really? said Twin Peaks on um, ice. I got the so instead version. of, you know, the whole orange and the owl, it's, um, they're all dressed like lumberjacks, but scantily Very dressed cold as lumberjacks. lumberjacks. Yeah. Oh my god. It will protect against nothing. What if Twin Peaks is a game? <laughs> what if it's a game? There's a few games that are more or less Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, God. Um, Kentucky Route Zero. Yeah, Kentucky Route Zero. Um, they actively describe it as being influenced by like David Lynch, but also like uh, Gabriel. Uh, oh God. Oh God! I just had it in my head, and now it's gone. There's also an official <laughs> Twin Peaks VR game. Uh, there's also like Alan Wake. There's also like. Uh, Oxenfree. Hello. Oxenfree. Yeah, that's another one. Is that Twin um, Peaks related? Uh, Persona takes Life a lot of influence from Twin Peaks. Life is Strange, uh, Deadly Premonition. What is Twin Peaks? Now I'm now I'm very curious. Uh, Twin Peaks is a show from the '90s, or at least the first two episodes or two, two seasons <laughs> were. Um, uh, that's more or less just about like a murder mystery in a town, but the murder mystery is on the put on the back burner compared to like understanding and feeling the town itself. Uh, I would hmm. say interesting. I think. Solving who died would be more precedent, but all right. Well, that's what the producers thought too, and then they ruined the show. <laughs> it's also kind of an explanation as to why all serial killers are from the yeah the west, <laughs> the northwest. <laughs> or aren't they just bored? So I think the nearest Twin Peaks restaurant from Buffalo is in. Detroit area. Are you planning a trip on you? No, but it's very interesting. <laughs> Wait, so this is Hooters, but yeah, North Colorado themed. Like, why is yeah, it? Yeah, basically. So they wear like flannel short tops <laughs> and like boots. All right, we're almost at two hours already. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody ask me something about me, please. Is Jesus begging you? What? Talk about laughing at Bojo. <laughs> uh, that was just, I, I, I don't know. That was just me, like, I spent a good three days just laughing at, like, how Bojo uh, 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 resigned 
Uh, maybe one of the funniest speeches I've ever seen, but that's just about it. I more or less put that on there as a joke. <laughs> oh, Boris Johnson. I was like, who is Bogan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then the brief. So what is Slay the Spire? Slay the Spire is a oh, uh, rogue deck. Sorry, I wow. I, I mixed that up. Rogue a deck. card deck roguelike. Uh, <laughs> a, a card, wow, that's twice now. A deck builder roguelike, um, which more or less means that like, it's sort of like a trading card game, but like uh, in a video game. And uh, the roguelike parts are similar to last week when we talked about roguelikes or roguelikes. They implement a high level of difficulty, uh, permadeath, and uh, randomization. Mm. Um, so the game's like very replayable, but challenging. Um, so here in Slay the Spire, you're uh, given like a character to start with. And then like you build a deck of cards uh, as you progress through like individual dungeons nice. um, and i've just been having a good time with it uh really like burns your time really quickly mm -hmm. it it looks a lot like has anyone played um the actual card game mystic veil yep it looks a lot like I that haven't. it's another deck building game um with fantasy elements well you're talking about magic the gathering aren't you nope mystic veil there's the board game mystic veil it's well it's like a, it's a card game really um there's no real board are you guys the kind of humans that like owned like Yu-Gi-Oh and like pokemon cards as children yeah i i just gave 600 pokemon cards away to a little kid is that the same kid <laughs> the same kid that coughed his eye yeah no i took his pokemon cards away <laughs> oh that's why he coughed <laughs> no after no i'm kidding he had one weapon and it was germs Wait, turns out I had no clue what you were talking about, Bogan. <laughs> it's a it's a fun game. Um, it's just another deck building game, and then you get like powers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Really fun. I've um I beat it with the first character. Um, I would be interested in maybe playing this, but um yeah, I beat it with the first character they give you. Uh, they give you four. Um, I've been trying it with the second character and have gotten decently far. Uh. Part of the these types of games is that like you don't start with like every possibility, mm. so like as you play, you unlock better and better things. Mm. Um, so your first run, even like even ignoring the fact that you like don't necessarily know how the game works, what the meta is, uh, you don't have everything at your disposal. So your first run's going to be more difficult to finish than your last one. So I haven't unlocked everything with uh, even either of the characters yet. Uh, I haven't touched the other two. Um, but I've, like, had a good time just, like, building a, a deck that ba that's based off of, like, uh, combos and, uh, yeah. yeah, trying to get, like, good synchronization with, like, everything I have. Oh, my goodness. Tim, you, we have to play Mystic Veil now. You'd love this game. <laughs> okay. 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 Two to four players. Yeah. Ooh. Is this, um, are you a Binding of Isaac boy? I was. Uh, I did not like. Uh, yeah, what was the first DLC? Af Afterbirth. Afterbirth. Um, th I that kind of like killed my interest in that game. Uh, because it was like I do think I have it in like my tens, but um, uh, that game just got like too grindy for its own good, and I don't like how they rebalanced the game. I think the when they added Afterbirth, uh, I think a lot of the individual rooms were like way more difficult than they needed to be. Uh, way too much, like, just required damage, uh, it felt like. So I kind of just, like, fell off a few days after Afterbirth came out. 
with an afterbirth dislike. I didn't mind afterbirth. Repentance was the one that killed it for me. Because it became so much about the synergies on synergies that you... Mm-hmm. There's no point in searching for them in a random roll rogue, roguelite, you know? But it mm-hmm. became all about them. So I'm just going to grind thousands of hours until I get a random synergy to alter my game? Like, I don't know. Yeah, and then, like, it feels less... I can imagine it feels less like you actually built towards it or something. So, like, I really loved the part where, like, all the abilities, like, synergized with each other or had effects on each other. But I imagine if you have too many of those, then it just, like, what abilities are, like, pushing you forward just kind of get lost in, like, the cloud of, like, having a hundred abilities. Maybe it's that they got really specific. Like, specific items and specific spacebar items at the same time. As opposed to yeah. the whole part of the whole joy of the synergies originally was like, wow, let's look at what crazy shit our build becomes. Yeah. I like I almost hundred percented uh like vanilla finding of Isaac. I did everything but like I think the lost achievements and like I beat it with the lost I think once. So it's I was missing maybe like six achievements total. I hundred percented afterbirth plus. I've heard afterbirth plus maybe not fixes it, but is like the best DLC it's had so far. So I have th- I have thousands of hours. Yeah, I've considered getting back into it, but, like, I just haven't gotten around to it. These are the strangest names I've ever heard, and I've played Kingdom Hearts. You guys feel like Inscription, it sounds like. I played Inscription. Inscription's great. I think Claude um, enjoyed that one. That was uh, one of my favorite games of last year, uh, although I didn't play much, but... Well, yeah, so just to, like, connect the dots... um watching Twin Peaks The Return, I was very happy to see one of my favorite characters, played by Miguel Ferrer, Albert, and Twin Peaks, show up in traffic. (laughs) Sorry, hold on. Do we want to break first? Which we will talk about after this break. (laughs) Good good, good save. Yeah. Are we ready to get started? I think so. Okay. I'll start with a little, should I start with a little, like, synopsis description, and then we go into it? All right. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. (laughs) And maybe why you chose it in particular. Okay. Easy. (laughs) One reason and one reason only. Are we going to? Oh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. Uh, assuming I don't just, you know, uh, cut earlier than this. Uh, 
we're about to talk about Traffic by Steven Soderbergh, a, a pick by Chloe. Yeah. Uh, Chloe, what 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 drove you to choose <laughs> this movie, and what is it about? Well, or maybe the other. If way you're around. tuning in from last week, I'm kind of on a Catherine Zeta Jones kick, and Traffic was a movie of hers that I hadn't seen. And it's directed by Steven Soderbergh, who I'm a really big fan of. He also did Ocean's Eleven, um, this one of uh, his earlier, most well-known indie movies, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which is also really good. Um, but Steven Soderbergh's kind of always towed the line between indie and studio, and he's always um, experimenting in his in in his films. And in traffic, his experimental style is in the form of color grading, which we'll get to. Um, but uh, just a little um, synopsis for the people who haven't seen traffic. It's from the 2000s, or it's from 2000, and it explores the illegal drug trade from a very U.S. perspective. And it interweaves three different storylines. So we have this Mexico storyline, um, a Wakefield storyline, which follows the Wakefield family. And then um, it's like a there's the third one, which is like the DEA slash Ayala um, couple. So the Mexico storyline is where Benicio del Toro does an amazing job playing this police officer who is best described as like a good cop who is constantly cycled through these impossible situations. So he's hired by a man named General Salazar, who has an anti-drug campaign in Tijuana. But in a surprising twist, it's revealed that General Salazar works for the Juarez cartel, who is trying to oust the these brothers, the Obregon brothers from Tijuana, so they can have this monopoly on the drug trade. And then that takes us to the Wakefield family, where Michael Douglas plays a conservative judge. Um, he's from Ohio, and is in, he's appointed as this drug czar to the president's office of drug control policy. Um, and he also has this teenager teenage daughter who is introduced to uh, freebasing, which for our non-drug users <laughs> is like smoking heroin. So she becomes addicted to heroin. Drama ensues and Michael Douglas's character has to give a speech in DC about his like 10 point drug policy plan, but he quits halfway um, by stating like the war on drugs is impossible, especially when the enemy or drug addicts are your family members. And then we have this third storyline where we have two DEA officers played by Don Cheadle and Louise Guzman. They arrest a drug dealer um, played by Miguel Ferrer, who's Albert in Twin Peaks. Um, and that leads him to give up his boss, Carl Ayala, whose wife is an unsuspecting Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, her character's name is Helena. And so long story short, um, Carl Ayala's case is tossed after a key witness is murdered by the Obregon brothers in Mexico. 
and Catherine Zeta-Jones kind of heads the family business after coming to an agreement with the Obregon brothers. Um, yeah, and basically this movie is modeled after this 1989 British TV serial, also called Traffic, but spelled with a K instead of a C. And that um, is also, it also has like the three interwoven stories, um, but there the perspectives are from an Afghan and Pakistani growers, and then you have German dealers and British users. Um, so Soderbergh just took the the structure from that and placed it um, within the U.S. Um, but yeah, what do we think about it, guys? And what do we think about that color grading? <laughs> Uh, before before I am critical on this movie at all, um, I would like to say that I was way more on board with this movie's thesis uh, by the end of it than I thought I was going to be. Mm, mm-hmm. um, like, at the beginning, I was worried that it was going to be maybe a little too pro-cop for me, and that it was going to, like, glorify the drug war, just because, like, most movies with this budget that talk about the drug war seem to, like, take a, uh, uh, you know we got to kill the bad people who are selling drugs without getting into the details of like why drug use is even a thing or why people get addicted or why people sell. Um, And I, I do think that that ending with uh, Michael Douglas saying that sort of just putting out there like the absurdity of like even declaring a war on drugs in the first place. uh, I was, I was on board with uh, all of that. Um, uh, But with that said, God, the, the the scenes in Mexico made me want to because they hurt. They hurt to look at. Uh, Jesse, I know you have uh, some choice words for uh, for Breaking Bad for doing a less extreme but a similar thing. Uh, I'm wondering if you have particular opinions on the color grading in this movie. Yeah. Also blue. No, I didn't think. No, you know, as a dog, I didn't have any opinions whatsoever. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? This was a lovely black and white. <laughs> Ninety-minute film about a nope. It was two hours and thirty minutes. It was long. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was pretty long. It's in a very abrasive. Okay, I think first of all, Chloe, brilliant intro. But I will add that there were much more unique things aesthetically to pull than just the color grade, like the hand cam. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the very documentary zooms. Yeah. It's, uh, there was a lot going on, and the edit style as well. Um, this, uh, I just, but just to get back to the color grade, I immediately was like, is this the first yellowing of Mexico in film? <laughs> I and so. I, think it, it, I think it is. Really? <laughs> yeah, I think this invented the trope of oh Mexico is yellow. No. Um, which, you know... <laughs> I get the argument that there's so many interwoven storylines taking place in very different places. So rather than it, it was used as a tool for the audience to understand immediately where we are, mm-hmm. um, which it still is. Um, but he also accompanied it with with subtitles saying where they are. Yeah. yeah. And I think his his editing style, like you mentioned, Jesse, like he didn't even need to do this color grading. Like it's so good without it yeah. that it's just like mm-hmm. not necessary, and it yeah. makes it feel like a 
you know, weird after school special or something, you know? Like Well, it helps. Yeah. None of us have seen it in theaters. Right. Chloe, I don't know where you're what where'd you watch from? My bed. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean where'd you get your where'd you get your copy? Oh, this I watched on Prime. I rented oh, it. Me too. Like a new How'd it look? It looked, How'd it look? It looked great. It was okay. Yeah. Good. My copy did not look great. I think it's not just the the they make like Mexico super yellow. Um also it's like a total different camera. Like it's much mm-hmm. much yeah. more pixelated on the screen that you know, it just looks like some kind of old really really old movie. Right. Yeah, um, it's super grainy. Well, they I think they bleached the entire film. Well, um apparently while they were shooting it like they shot like some ridiculous amount of footage like 50 hours or something and then um it was all overexposed so they had to go back and reshoot oh so they yeah. were having like yeah. overexposure issues the entire time how do you how do you shoot 50 hours of footage and not realize that? i don't well uh, you, they had a no no it was just the first day they had a two camera setup going the entire time. Oh, okay. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh. okay. So it wasn't it wasn't literally fifty hours of footage. No, no, no. <laughs> I feel like they're going for like an old like Mexican movie type thing too. Like it was supposed to feel like it was from the sixties, like almost calling back to like Yeah. I, I got almost like a spaghetti western right. type vibe yeah. from it oh, just from yeah. the books. Okay. But like I did not. At the beginning, I literally thought it's like a clip from an old movie, and I don't know. No, I think it just really doesn't translate to the copies that we're seeing very well. Okay. They definitely bleached all of the footage, and all of it was shot on different cameras. Like, the handheld had to be on something small, like, like, like I don't know, like a Panavision. Like, it was all 35 millimeter, and it was all filtered um, in camera, not chemically. Although he did use like tungsten film that he then didn't fix to make it very blue, which by the way, that blue was mm-hmm. way too blue. So but, blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> but that I do opening, think, I that do opening. Think, oh yeah, it's egregious. It's so egregious. It's like the 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 red rug is purple <laughs> yeah. in that opening shot. <laughs> but I do think, I do think that a lot of this is that we're watching on digital and okay. poorly digitized copies. You know. It probably looked very good, mm-hmm. not in terms of the color, but it probably oh, did oh. not have this issue on screen. Yes, yes. I remember that specific scene uh, when they put the helicopter upside down on the screen. I was like, oh, my God, I want to watch this in the theater. <laughs> Do y'all remember mm-hmm. that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's shot on 35 millimeter, and, like, they didn't do anything to the film chemically other than I think they bleached it. So it's like it should look great, you know? The only concern that I would have is, did they edit it digitally? Um, because then you can't really scan, you can't scan it again, like in the future in, in great quality. Famous, yeah. what did you think? You're not uh, a film watcher. I'm not a film watcher. I watched it for the story. Um, the color grading, you know, I was like, oh, it's, it didn't really affect me. I mean, it was definitely weird, but was it really so bad? <laughs> Yes. I I I, yeah. I hated looking. I hated looking at the Mexican scenes. I'm sorry. I mean, it, it did seem like they really put a lot of extra uh, post processing into the Mexican scenes. I thought was. It, I mean, it was unnecessary, but it 
you know, it wasn't unbearable. It was like, it was, I mean, I thought it was like artistic choice. It just pissed me off because it was like you already you're putting on screen in 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 text where they are. So why do I need this? Well, yeah. um, so I honestly I thought that one was like accessibility. Like I like double uh like <laughs> stating that that in multiple ways, but that's just me. I like over explaining. <laughs> I also watch anime, so like subtitles. Sub I I watch like American stuff with subtitles on. I like I've grown to enjoy this. Wow. I was I was annoyed because like I I I agree with what y'all you know Jesse and Tim <laughs> and Chloe and I mean um the, my like the reason I got so annoyed is that I just feel like this whole setting is a little suspicious to me like mm-hmm. you're mm. like you make Mexico Mexico super super yellow and hot and sweaty mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah like full of this drug like business and um cartels and then um i suspect do y'all think is they purposely choose a mexican and black cops like they do do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like Like to alleviate the racism yeah Mm -hmm. yeah am i overthinking on this like no that sounds all right to me I, yeah, I kind of agree. I did have the thought, like, the... it was a half-joking thought, uh-huh. but maybe it's not, it shouldn't be. Like, I just looking at the color grading at one point, I was like, is this racist? Yeah. Is this, like, is this, like, I don't know, like, stereotypical against Mexicans yeah. or yeah. something? Yeah. Like, this doesn't and seem right. Part, and then there's the uh, scene. Michael Douglas there... was, like, walking around the poor neighborhood uh, when it's cl- it's clearly, it's it's a hood. It's, like, mostly mm-hmm. um, black people on the street. And there's that uh, explicit sex scene with, you know, a black dude having sex with that 16-year-old white girl. And all these, I was like, did you guys purposely choose a white, uh, a Mexican and a black guy to be the two cops in the show? <laughs> the, um, the drug dealer having sex with uh, that character, uh, I did, that felt weird to me. Like, it almost felt like they were, tr- it, I don't know, I doubt this was like intentional, but it did feel like they were almost saying that like, black people are predatory and that they're drug dealers a little bit mm-hmm. like i don't i don't know i i felt that scene felt weird to yeah. me um it's, it's my problem with the film at large what is it trying to say yeah <laughs> that being said i really enjoyed it but it does have conflicting messages no, well also i we gotta take into consideration the british tv serial that it uh so it's from 1989 right and in that, the same color gradings there, where anything oh. that's happening in Britain is blue, mm. and then Afghan and oh. anything happening and in Pakistan is okay, yellow. Then I apologize. Like it's just like me overreading and blaming the wrong. Um, yeah, <laughs> I actually, I actually think that's more to your point, Hanyu, because then it's sort of like there's still like the othering of this group of like quote unquote like almost i don't know people who live in the desert type thing well um, this is you with like this both, is you saying both... that the yellow is ugly 
I don't even think it's that. I, I, I think it is like I think there is like an othering of the of Mexicans in this movie. Yeah. Um and I imagine it's gonna be similar with like the othering of like uh, uh Middle Eastern people. Mm-hmm. But it seems like too, in the show at least, it's not as the color grading isn't as like garish. So Soderbergh could have made a like choice there to make it, you know, that horrible. Um, mm-hmm. just to kind of point out that this is something that is done, um, but shouldn't be. I think they're trying to intrinsically bring race into the discussion, but they're really not. It's like such a half measure, you know? Yeah. They're really not yeah. looking at society at large. Yeah. And the and the reason for the war. And, like, it, it taking place in Mexico and, like, Mexicans being in that position and them being uh, presented at least, like, semi-sympathetically like may not in all cases but maybe in like them sort of being forced into it um not necessarily getting into the drug trade because they want to but because they feel as if they have to you know there's that one explanation from that 70s show guy, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah where he talks, <laughs> where he talks about like oh you can you can flip drugs in two yeah, hours yeah, in a day yeah. make 500 dollars, and do whatever you want and like i do think there is like it does approach like the racialization of the issue a little bit there, but like I, yeah, I agree that it doesn't. It like, doesn't do enough, enough. That's for sure. <laughs> and there's there is like conflict, um, in how in like some of the other messaging. I can't take him too seriously. <laughs> no, it's just fucking no, for no, grace, absolutely dude. not. That's Eddie Brock. <laughs> That's Venom from Spider-Man Three. Is it really? Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. I've never seen him except um, that '70s show. I was so happy to see John Slattery. Who's John Slattery? He was the guy that he was like the PR spinner um, for what's his name, Wakefield. He's he's the boss from Mad Men, one of the bosses from Mad Men. Greatest show of all time. Plug in Mad Men. Also uses color grading as a gimmick. I mean, it. You know, like you know, the original propagator of the 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 multiple plot line in film is the most racist filmmaker of all time. Yeah. <laughs> D.W. Griffith. Yeah, and it's still like use it's mm-hmm. doing that story like like black man is honking white yeah. girl, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the OG interwoven plot film. But yeah, like I'm just saying it's suspicious, but there's no conclusion or clear message we can like draw. I also think it stepped on yeah. this like really slippery line that for some people who are completely, you know, supporting the uh, war on the drugs, they might not get a, a clear message out of this. They they might mm-hmm. just read it as oh, mm-hmm. then we have to fight harder or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I was just gonna say I did watch mm-hmm. uh, an interview with Soderbergh. And he does kind of go more into, like, what he thinks. And I do have to agree with more of what he says rather than what the film Mm -hmm. leaves us with, which is he basically argues that um, drugs and um, drug addicts should be taken out out of the criminal system and put into health care, which I really Mm -hmm. like that idea and think Mm -hmm. uh, that could, you know, be successful. Um, but again, it's not really touched upon in traffic at all. Because the only, like, the only appearance of healthcare is, like, when that one character overdoses. Yeah, they go to the hospital. Then they get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then they drop his his possibly oh corpse off at the front of the hospital and, the and try to just drive arrest away. them. Yeah. I did yeah. I did think the strongest scene maybe there were a lot of strong scenes. Listen, we're shitting all over. I I, I thought this this film had a lot of rich, really good potential, but just missed its messaging for me. But the strongest scene for me was the Viola Davis, you know, healthcare worker scene. Oh, the when she's like, Why are you here? Why are you like this? Like, you're perfect, you know? You're a straight-A student. You're a track and field star. You're volleyball, whatever. Like, your life is perfect. You have a wealthy, uh, non-divorced white family, you know? Mm -hmm. So what happened? And she's like, I don't know. Like, the, the, the main takeaway that the film makes, and I think that it's why it's allowed to get away with so much, is that whole sentiment at the end where basically the answer is, I don't know, you know, like, I'm just going to mm -hmm. listen. That's them saying this is not over, which it isn't, which wasn't and isn't, but, like, it it was a non-conclusion. There's always yeah. hope. Mm -hmm. There's always hope. In the end, well, there's on hope. on that aspect, I kind of, like, I, I really like that part about this movie, the, the ending. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I find the end ending is very, you know, there shouldn't be a conclusion on this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. For me, I agree, but then it gets into like the dare, like Reagan commercials territory at yes. some point. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. So, like, uh, I, I agree that, like, I think it does come to one conclusion, um, and that's like what we're doing now doesn't work. And I, again, I think that's like stronger than like most uh, films that cover this topic that I've, I've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, and it is, it does like humanize, you know, groups of people who are, don't tend to be humanized, um, that I don't know that you mentioned. Yeah. That's like, it's not necessarily like you have a good reason to get addicted to things, but, um, yeah, just like the characterization of her spiral into addiction though, does feel very like it, it's, it's, it gets so extreme so fast and that's not like, a slippery slope. That's a fucking cliff. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it just it it the the tone with that storyline just changes so fast, yeah. and like I get that addiction can happen like that fast, but it just it just feels like just I it just didn't feel yeah. right yeah. to me, you know. It, it did feel very after school special. Yeah, right? yeah, very propaganda. <laughs> Wait, what is that after school thing you said? What is? It's um. Is it like a? It's like propaganda um. Education for you oh, to stay away from sex kinda. and drugs. And... Yes, exactly. It, yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. okay. You got that after okay. school? I got that during school. No, no, no. Like it would be on TV. <laughs> no, um, I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. The latchkey kids would have to watch the episode of whatever sitcom. GI Joe. Yeah, where oh, yeah. a guy a guy holds a joint funny in the hallway and offers it for free, which is never going to happen in real life. I do find that the, the, the G.I. Joe one's very funny, especially since a lot of the military men smoke. They didn't just, like, I mean, like, a lot of people in Vietnam did, like, heroin, yeah. so yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. Was she free? Was that heroin at the beginning? I thought it was Coke. Uh, Coke, I think. Isn't heroin the harder one? It was heroin when she, when her and the boyfriend started doing stuff together. Isn't there, like, like an the injection beginning? into her foot? That was heroin, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, I assume. And then when they were um, freebasing, that was smoking heroin. 
Okay, I wasn't sure if it was coke or heroin. Because you can inject coke, too. Oh. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, you don't know you're welcome. any knowledge about this. But <laughs> 14-year-old listeners I, at home. <laughs> I watch it with my boyfriend, and he makes fun of the scenes when she used the coke. Because, um, according to him, it seems like if you're a, a white girl that's, you know, you're from a rich family and you go to private school, like, you should probably be in cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Difference. Yeah. That's, yep, he's like right. Like, coke yeah. is for poor people or something? Well, that is true, but, wait, no, they're, they're the same thing, right? I have no idea what... Not coke and heroin. Uh, so... You can you can actually thank Joe Biden for this distinction, even though they're the same thing. Um, the legally speaking, there's a difference between uh, crack and cocaine. Right. Uh, crack more or less being like the rock form, and cocaine being the powdered form. And that's a very like um, class based distinction, uh, and more or less only a class based distinction. Um, the distinction drawn is that like crack rock is is considered worse than uh, powdered cocaine. Yeah. So that's like buying like a pineapple versus like a cut up pineapple. Isn't the pineapple fresher? So you want exactly. the rock. Exactly. Yeah, but one oh, is something yeah. associated yeah. with black people. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's a crack epidemic. It's like the end nineties. Cool beans. Wow. I know. Yeah. I mean, we all went to high school, right? I'm, I went to I mean, the... high school. I'm, I, didn't <laughs> I didn't go. I, I'm, I'm from a very different context. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> The rich white girls in your high school weren't rebasing coke. Not that I was aware of. I don't know if there were rich white girls at our high school. <laughs> Having grown up in a in New York City in a public school where you know the spectrum of wealth is is both ends, mm. myself not included, people on every side were gathering up in the bathroom to do some cocaine. What? Like. Yeah, at like age fifteen, it was weird. Oh my weird. god, this is like, insane! Y'all are children. Really? Yeah. No, it's really popular in high school. I mean, Whoa, that, now popular. I think it's overtaken by Adderall, crushed up Adderall. Oh, probably. Adderall yeah, it yeah. would be cocaine. Correction corner, it's cocaine. Correct. Yes, at the correct. beginning. Yeah, I think throughout okay. the entire until she gets the injections. It's until heroin. the until the heroin. Yeah. That's weird, too, though, because, like, I don't think that's how that works. I don't think you can just exchange, like, heroin for cocaine, and then your addiction to cocaine is gone, and now you just have an addiction to heroin. Did Maybe I'm wrong. Well, they didn't, they didn't say it was, like, gone or anything. What do you mean? It seemed to imply heroin when she, like, actually injected, or when the uh, her dealer injected. No, that's her. what we're saying. Like, that was her first time doing heroin. Yeah, but did she... Wasn't she addicted to cocaine before, though? Well, it, it, yeah. It, it's not drug-specific. It's more like the uh, high of it. And if the, the one you're going through is, is a higher sensation, then that's the one you become more dependent on. Okay. Okay. I'm, you I'm know, like, you, don't know you, started, you started with sugar, Tim. And then you switched to bang. <laughs> and then you made the upgrade. <laughs> Can't go back. Yeah, and bang doesn't have sugar in it. And now you're recovering at bang addict. <laughs> Jeez. Well... Still in this storyline, I do appreciate the uh, character of the mother. Like, I think her opinion, uh, her reaction when they found out the daughter is on uh, drugs, whatever, like, her reaction was completely ridiculous and funny to me. But, 
I guess her purpose uh, in this uh, movie is to, like she said, you know, we have to give her the room to explore, blah, blah, blah. And she, you know, also revealed that she did similar thing in college. So I guess, like, the purpose of this character is to bring out uh, this generational um, problem of drugs in America and alongside how, you know, mm-hmm. this epoch epoch when uh, younger people are facing with more problem that's all i just found like like her 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 mom's reaction is really unbelievable (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) well they they both represent extremes of the spectrum yeah Uh like um i did get the sense that it really tried to like talk about like how everyone has a vice more or Mm -hmm. less like there was that scene with like where he's like, oh, you should stop smoking cigarettes or whatever. And then there's another scene where, you know, Michael Douglas's character uh, drinks quite heavily uh, and is in denial. Uh, I think it really, like, shows that everyone yeah, uh, yeah. interacts with, like, a drug right. of sorts. Yes. Um, it also opens with a dude playing a video game. What? What? Do- yeah. Does it? I yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, my brain. It opens with a dude, like, on a Game Boy. In the, in the huh. car at the, oh, the first raid. Right. Actually, yeah, wasn't right. that the okay. partner? Wasn't that his partner? I don't remember. Uh, I think. I do remember the cops were doing nicotine pads and smoking. Is that that scene? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, after that scene, she was, her side was bad. And it, I do think you're right in saying that it's like showing the two spectrum, the two sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But I, I also hated Michael Douglas's character <laughs> in that scene. Well, you're gonna. Well, sure. But like. I don't know. He's just like, yeah, your your daughter is is partially getting addicted to drugs because you're a shitty father. You know. <laughs> they did. They did shoot a scene where Michael Douglas's character shoots up heroin. Oh. But that was cut. Oh my god. <laughs> I was yeah. so oh, waiting for that. Tragic. Tragic. Because yeah. he was dipping his. T- the one thing that I appreciated about his character is that he was like, all right, clearly I'm ignorant. I'm gonna try to dive in a little. Mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. actually learn the ins and outs so i was so waiting <laughs> like when breaking bad was coming out everyone on fucking reddit was like when's he gonna try the, the map when's he gonna do it i was so waiting for him to just rebase some crack those scenes were weird though because like i think there was only like two of them but it does like go from a like a regular movie into oh i guess this is a documentary now yeah, I think where Michael Douglas is just is just acting as a uh, documentary. I wouldn't be and then su- just goes back. I wouldn't be surprised if this is Adam McKay's biggest influence. I could see that. Yeah, it read so much like an early Adam McKay to me. Us talking about it too, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if this was like a direct influence on Breaking Bad as well. Mm-hmm. Well, the 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 yellowing, Sicario also yellows yeah. slightly. Can we talk about the uh, the third storyline? We didn't talk much about Catherine's attitude. Oh, oh, oh. Luis Guzman. 11 out of 10 always. Yeah, Don Cheadle. Their early scenes were part of the reason why I was a bit skeptical of this movie at the beginning, though. Like, like Al- I know his name's not actually Albert, but Albert uh, more or less says, uh, fuck you, you're, what you're doing is like uh, mm-hmm. pointless yeah. and you're just perpetuating the problem. And he's right, and there is like a, a a discussion of like the police's responsibility or their acting lack thereof um, that is there, but like I don't feel like there's much 
they're otherwise i guess they're also shitty cops uh considering that albert dies because, yeah. <laughs> because they didn't think to check the food <laughs> i don't know i i feel like there could have been more like um uh uh criticizing the place that the cops have in all of this mm-hmm. i think it's the only right answer is given right at the beginning to what's his name wakefield mm. when the predecessor is like yeah. there is no winning this war <laughs> yep and i'm like great whole movie's right there no it's a it's just a different different a total different time you know early 2000s this pandemic was very different yeah i yeah that was the other thing i was getting off of it because i did see that it was from like early 2000s which you know means that it was in between like the cold war and 9-11 yeah i i almost had the feeling that they were like trying to i don't know come up with a new fear for people to fall for Mm -hmm. uh, at that time like since 9-11 hadn't happened yet they were trying to like propagandistic like oh this is what you should be afraid of um again i don't think the movie fully goes in that direction but it did feel like that at the beginning can we talk about how great benicio was though like oh yeah he's so i think he did a great job he's so So charming (laughs) (laughs) what did we think about the handheld aspect i think that was like the strongest part yeah what about the zooming i like it that was fine that's where I get the goat Godard. Yes. No. Oh my God. He cited. <laughs> he cited good. No, the handheld. He cited Godard and he cited Breathless like his whole career. Okay. I mean, what filmmaker doesn't cite Godard? Yeah. That's at a little some long point. Stretch. Literally, yeah. this was man on a movie. Man with a movie camera. I know that's not Godard. I know it's not Godard. Man with the yeah, but that's what yeah, Godard I was, say was not Godard. turning into a narrative. I don't have enough of an opinion on this, but I, 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 I doubt it. I will say it's way more prevalent in, like, have you guys seen The Liney? The Liney. Or Aaron Brockovich? Brockovich? Brockovich. Brockovich. That was also um, nominated for an Oscar the same year Traffic was, and he won Best Director for Traffic. Which I would have given it to him for Aaron Brockovich. Those are way more Godard, I would say. But I still see it here a lot. And I think it should be noted, Benicio did win an Oscar for his for his performance okay. in this movie. So the Academy liked it. Then we hate it. Fine, fine. Six out of ten. I agree. Six out of ten. Like it's a solid three out of five for me. Like it's a three. Like it's a it's a political drama that hasn't aged well. I do think this made in twenty twenty two has a lot of potential. Yeah, um, as long as it takes, like, a similar stance on, like, the drug war itself, but maybe does a better job at, like, the things that we've criticized it for. Um, but I also don't think we're in the same spot as much. Like, there certainly is, like, um, constant othering and and, and trying to make, uh, 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 Mexicans scary, uh, from, from certain groups of people. Um... But like I feel like the the like the discourse of the drug war is like completely different now. Um, I I think part of it is like marijuana legalization, for example, is so common and such a talking point right now. Yeah. Uh, that I feel like the perspectives of the drug war have kind of 
shifted from like where it what used to be even like five ten years ago right and now it's all about fentanyl too so it would yeah she, she'd be dead by four minutes in yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh fentanyl is uh probably the strongest opiate um there's a picture of a deadly dose on wikipedia yeah. and it's like a crumb like next to a penny it's very scary um and the big problem is like a lot of uh, uh drugs getting laced with it mostly. yeah okay it, okay was it invented as like a painkiller for horses yeah it was a synthetic painkiller made for horses and it's 50 to 100 times stronger than morphine And they sprinkle some in drugs because it'll give you a stronger high, but they but it's random fucking you know street dealers that don't know what they're doing, so they end up killing a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's what killed Mac Miller actually. It killed like, I feel like when was it like last summer? It killed several like yeah. Hollywood people, but they're all like B list. People get addicted, and because it's just so it's such a taboo. And they're looked at as bad people rather than victims, so they end up like either hiding it. If right. that small amount of those can kill a person, they should just call the thing poison. Yeah. Well, oh, they yeah. they use it in more hospitals. or less. It is. Yeah. They, they to be fair, they do use it mostly for people who are like di- like about to die. Yeah. Um. So it is like a painkiller for like like people like people who are about to die from cancer mm-hmm. and are just in that much pain. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's it's extremely dangerous. Again, more reason this should be a healthcare issue. But uh, yeah. Uh, but are we good? We good on traffic? We got uh, anything left to say? Any last thoughts? Uh, Antonioni did it better with Red Desert. <laughs> okay. Anything you guys want to say? Oh yeah, should we also say please don't do two drugs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do, please don't do <laughs> no drugs. Do drugs. Right. Kinds Bye, of everyone. Drugs, we love you all. Not the not cool kinds of drugs. We love you all. Caffeine. Drink yeah. a lot. <laughs> Bye. Me. Leave school. <laughs> Fill your cup with booze. Kill people. Burn shit. Fuck school. <laughs>